Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Tensions between Israel and the Islamic Republic of Iran are seemingly on the rise. Consequently, the so-called campaign between the wars, referred as such by Israel, has purportedly intensified as well. Does this mean that Jerusalem and Tehran are on a course of inevitable collision? Or are we expected to see the United States and China reining in their respective regional partners amid multilateral attempts to revive the 2015 nuclear agreement? To analyze this topic, we're joined from Tel Aviv by Mr. Meir Javed Anfar, who is an Iran lecturer at IDC Herzliya. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Also joining us from elsewhere here in Jerusalem is Dr. Menachem el who is a research fellow at the Truman Institute at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us as well. Thanks for having me. And with me in here in the studio is Amir Oren, our TV7 analyst and host of Watchmen Talk. Amir, give us a broader understanding. Where are things currently standing on this battle behind the scenes, not always behind the scenes, between Iran and the state of Israel? So first, let's try to uh, explain what this term, campaign between the wars, uh, means um, uh, to the Israeli society. When the State of Israel was established in 1948 and the armistice agreements were signed a year later, many Israelis believed that, that the conflict is over, that it is only a matter of time between the um, uh, Arab neighbors of Israel uh, will sign peace agreements with the Jewish state. But it turned out that there was a second round in 1956, and then more rounds, 73, 82, uh, 67, 73, 82, and so on. So the new term refers either to wars of attrition between the major wars, or those uh, operations which are conducted some of them uh, in a clandestine way, some of them visible, but uh, with no accountability. Right now, what is happening between Israel and Iran is a series of exchanges on several fronts and several domains, from the maritime, air, special forces, cyber, in Lebanon, in Syria, uh, according to some publications in Iraq and in Yemen, against shipping, either Israeli-owned or Iranian transferring uh, weapons or oil to Syria, uh, whether for use by the Syrian regime or weapons uh, on the way to Hezbollah. And up to now, there was also the uh, sabotage uh, at the Natanz facility, as well as assassinations and other mysterious death in Iran. No one knows up to now whether the uh, second in command of the Quds Force, of the Revolutionary Guards organization uh, in charge of uh, these so-called malign activities, whether this was natural causes or whether someone uh, hastened his departure uh, from the world. So we had a series of events some uh, natural, some not so natural, in which both sides try to jab at each other. Um, Iran also has proxies. The uh, most uh, threatening one is Hezbollah. A few days ago, Defense Minister Benny Gantz 
visiting the northern border, spoke about Hezbollah um, probably planning or attempting something new, maybe not in Lebanon or against the Israeli rear, but somewhere in the world. We all remember what happened in 1992 and 1994 in Argentina as retaliation for uh, an Israeli operation against the uh, Hezbollah leader at the time, Abbas Musawi. So maybe this is a reference to something which could take place any day against an Israeli or a Jewish target abroad, which will probably cause another escalation in this campaign between the wars. With Minister Gantz also emphasizing that Iran was behind Hezbollah, uh, pulling the th- uh, strings, whether uh, exactly it is uh, to the degree of, of imminent attack or, or not, it wasn't completely specified. But I'd like to ask you, Mr. Javed Anfau, to what degree are the Iranians resolved uh, considering the, the repeated strikes on, on various targets, allegedly by Israel, of course, uh, Tehran is uh, less quick to attribute responsibility to Israel uh, as opposed to the Damascus regime, which uh, uh, repeatedly attributes uh, all responsibility for any airstrike in Syria uh, to be Israeli. Are they looking for confrontation with Israel this stage, considering also the current negotiations ongoing in Vienna, Austria, with regard to trying to revive uh, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or the 2015 nuclear agreement? Well, the Iranians are not looking for uh, war with Israel. They want to continue with their current activities in, in Syria, uh, but they don't want the current um, low intensity conflict, reported low intensity conflict between Israel and Iran to get out of hand uh, because um, the Iranian uh, regime uh, understands that it, it, it is, it's, it's uh, inferior when it comes to Israel's air force uh, and Israel's navy. Um, uh, however, this, the, the recent attacks by, uh, uh, re- associated with Israel by the international press do not mean that we're going to see a major shift in Iran's strategy. Um, The reason being that the the regime in Iran uh, feels that uh, if it makes any compromises uh, after these attacks, it will be viewed at home and abroad by its opponents as weak and that pressure works. Therefore, uh, for now, I don't think we're going to see Iran adopting its, uh, changing its uh, uh, overall strategy when it comes to presence in the region uh, and also its nuclear program. However, uh, undeniably, the Iranian regime uh, is uh, paying a heavy price for these attacks, um, especially because of uh, the way at home. There are, you know, the, the regime tries to uh, look very strong and it is very strong at home when it comes to oppress, oppressing the people of uh, Iran. However, uh, it is also aware that uh, these uh, reported attacks by Israel uh, are making it look weak in front of the Iranian uh, people. And this is costing the regime even more legitimacy at a very sensitive time uh, when Iran's economy is doing badly. I have to say that uh, it's something like Iran has at least and I emphasize at least $250 billion with a B worth of debt. The economy is doing very badly. So the regime is in a tight spot. And for now, it feels that any change or any reform 
in terms of its policies, current policies which affect Israel, uh, might open the Pandora's box, which it may not be able to close later on. Dr. Merhavi, your take on this? I think there's a great gap between uh, Iran's, um, on the operational side, it's very vulnerable now, uh, and economically as well, uh, as um, May has uh, mentioned. Uh, and yet diplomatically, I think Iran today uh, actually is in a much better situation than uh, it was, let's say, uh, a year ago. Uh, and simply because it, it is back on the table, well, uh, willingly or not, with, uh, you know, uh, regarding the uh, nuclear deal. Um, or if you like the other side, the flip side of that is that Israel uh, has a tremendous gap between its operational uh, superiority or capabilities and its diplomatic, uh, I would say, uh, dire situation. Uh, because again, it can hit uh, a facility in Iran, which uh, according to foreign sources is just what it did. Uh, and this is interesting, by the way, um, because uh, Iran was quite quick this time to uh, announce that it was Israel, something it would never do uh, until very recently. Uh, and I think the reason it did so was to, um, uh, because for Iran's purposes, it is actually better uh, to expose the fact that it's Israel and, and no one else, including the US, uh, that's behind this, uh, and to, in a way, to embarrass Israel, uh, confronting the US, you know, when it's back to uh, to negotiate with Iran. So. Um, Again, in, in, to, to sum it up, I think Iran today has uh, a better perspective of uh, improving things. Mr. Owen, I'd like to bring a military term into the, the mix, uh, power projection. Neither Israel nor Iran truly have power projection. It's a greater power or superpower uh, term where specific countries are capable of deploying and maintaining uh, military forces in foreign countries which are not in the immediate vicinity of, of uh, the country uh, itself, meaning Israel is not truly capable of invading Iran, nor is Iran really capable of invading Israel at this stage within the, uh, the current capacities. And the Israeli superiority is more within the, the capacity of technology, uh, inflicting significant harm, but it doesn't have expansionist interests. On the contrary, it seeks to secure its borders from foreign adversaries. Uh, and as such, seeing the Iranians deploy uh, Hezbollah, for instance, which is regarded even within Lebanon as a foreign division, uh, an Iranian division, which uh, only Iran has the capacity to decide whether it attacks or not creates a, a certain sense of insecurity in Israel, which might trigger a certain response beyond the current campaign between the wars. Give us a little bit of an understanding. Does this mean that the only way for Israel to actually confront Iran head-on is for greater powers, including its partners to the West, the United States, and European powers, to join forces with it if such a reality becomes uh, uh, necessary? Well, invasion is quite an outdated term uh, in today's world, uh, because uh, what do you need invading forces for? Are you going to occupy the other side's capital 
and remain there until what? Until someone signs uh, a peace agreement? This is not 1945, and you're not going to do it. And even in 1945, yes, Rome and Berlin fell, but Tokyo had to give up only when the emperor signed uh, the the, uh, surrender uh, order. Now, um, power projection today has to do with air and naval assets. Also with special forces, but special forces have a much smaller footprint. Uh, They can uh, infiltrate and exfiltrate very quickly. And we saw only recently that uh, the Americans and the French had the two-carrier exercise. Interestingly enough, these were the two allies from World War II, Eisenhower and the Gold. These were the two carriers, the American and, and the French one. Now, Israel doesn't have a carrier. Um, it could uh, have motherships uh, out of which uh, helicopters uh, can take off. Perhaps it has submarines with some other uh, devices. But let me challenge the conventional wisdom on another aspect. We are all talking about the Iranian pursuit of uh, nuclear weapons. We take it for granted that this is the uh, Iranian aim. Not that they are now actually doing it. We know that uh, 18 years ago, when the Americans invaded Iraq, the Iranians probably stopped work on it, but were laying the ground if they decide to resume it. With an emphasis on probably. Yes, but but, uh, with high confidence that right now they are not working on the nuclear project or nuclear weapon project itself. But the real aim of the Iranians is probably only to get to the threshold. It is not in their interest to move from the threshold to the weapon itself, because if they do that, they will be hit immediately. Their best position is to be almost there. And a few days ago, when Minister Gantz uh, visited the Israeli uh, northern border, which we mentioned earlier, he said something very, very interesting. He said, we will not let Iran get to the threshold, not break out from the threshold to the weapon itself. We will not even let them get to the threshold. Why? Because once there, they can bargain, they can threaten, they will be in a better position to play uh, globally and regionally. That means that Israel is not only watching um, how close or how far away Iran is from the bomb, but also how close it is to the threshold. And this calls for another sort of measurement. Um, And perhaps this is one topic about which the Israeli uh, emissaries to Washington, the chief of general staff, the head of Mossad, the head of the national security staff, they have to talk with their American counterparts in order to coordinate on this particular issue. Because it is accepted that um, regarding the nuclear weapon itself, Iran is two years away from a decision to go nuclear, which means that Um, it is much even longer than two years. According to Israel's military intelligence directorate. This is how how we live. We live according to the Israeli military intelligence. But as for the threshold, this is a whole new discussion. 
Even though if we do take uh, the analogy of, of the North Korean nuclear file, it was before the nuclear threshold or after the nuclear threshold. And if they're able to conceal the in-between, they're able y yes, to yes, make but, that leap. Yes, but first of all, it was not Israeli intelligence which monitored North Korea, and therefore it is not to blame. And secondly, the North Korean lesson has been learned, and now everybody wants to prevent another North Korea. Indeed. Mr. Javed Anfal, to what degree do you think the Iranians are currently resolved to find themselves in that position of not entirely at the threshold, but slowly moving in that direction in order to, to apply some sort of leverage that would grant them their tools uh, to continue to apply their various uh, foreign policy adventures throughout this region? Um, I, I disagree entirely with the premise that Iran's nuclear program would give it more leverage in the region. I don't think it would. Um, I think the biggest reason why Iran had, a, well, Iran has tried in the past, according to various intelligence agency estimates, to cre create a nuclear weapon. First and foremost is for domestic purposes, because the Islamic Republic survives in a state of no peace and no war. Uh, and it, it doesn't want peace with the United States and it doesn't want war with the United States. And it's hoping that that perhaps uh, even, even the nuclear uh, program, even though it hasn't made a bomb, it, and also even though Boucher is barely operating, it's doing its job. Uh, it's distancing America away from any kind of a peace deal with Iran. Uh, and also uh, Iran is, whilst, while negotiating over the same nuclear program, it's avoiding war. Uh, with the United States. Um, nuclear weapons have not given North Korea leverage in the, in, in, where, in the region in the Far East, nor have they given Pakistan a, a, a regional role uh, in, in the Indian subcontinent. The furthest uh, Pakistan has gotten is, is to its border with Afghanistan and some parts of India, and especially regarding Afghanistan, the nuclear program has not been that influential. So I think the main premise of why Iran is doing this is mainly for domestic purposes. We have to remember that there was a very interesting article in the Financial Times uh, recently. Uh, Ayatollah Khamenei started wearing the chafia. There's a Basiji chafia, which is uh, very similar to the PLO chafia. Uh, when did he start wearing it? It's a very interesting uh, article. During Khatami. Why during Khatami? because he's worried about the reforms that Khatami wanted to make. And he, wants to, he wanted to make sure that these reforms at home and abroad are not successful. So why were the Chafia? Because Khamenei wanted to send a message that resistance will continue. And nuclear program, Iran's nuclear program, is part of that equation. So I think overall, it's more in terms of power projection. I think it's more to do with uh, power projection at home against the reformists. And I don't think Iran's nuclear program, even with the nuclear bomb, Iran will be able to project more power than it already has, especially when we are looking at uh, the axis of uh, resistance, which in re reality is the axis of bankruptcy. All of Iran's allies are in countries that are bankrupt or going bankrupt. And, and this is something that is, uh, that is not helping Iran to project its uh, power abroad. Dr. Melchav, your take on this? Yeah, I, I, I would like to agree with me, but, but from a different point of view, from a different perspective, and to see the nuclear uh, program of Iran 
as as part of a larger it's you know it's larger regional uh, and international policy and uh, and not a thing for its own right. So uh, I think it's uh, in certain ways I see it as a big diversion plan of Iran, diverting the um, you know the uh, attention of the world uh, and also of, of of yes of Iranian uh, public to some degree um, you know to to this program rather than other things that Iran is doing in the region, which landed, uh, I would say, more force than uh, the nuclear program, uh, like its ties with Hezbollah, with Syria, and other allies, um, you know, the Houthis in Yemen, etc. So I think um, in, in, in certain ways, Iran is uh, gaining points in these, uh, uh, you know, in, in these other fronts, and uh, diverting the attention to, the, to its nuclear program, um, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not an important uh, uh, thing. I'm just saying it's part of a larger, um, larger considerations Iran has uh, has in the region. Nevertheless, uh, Dr. Mechavi, I'd like to ask you specifically. Uh, during the the past several weeks, there still have been various attacks in Iraq by Qatar, Hezbollah, by uh, Shuhada, and, and the various organizations which are. Uh, part of uh, the the popular mobilization front or Hashd Shabi, uh, which clearly indicates that the Iranians are not going to let down from their expansionist ideals and revolutionary policies, uh, including with regard to Iraq. We see, of course, that also, according to the intelligence security assessment of the United States intelligence branch and national intelligence, uh, they're also uh, all specifying, including the CIA, including uh, the uh, military intelligence agencies, that Iraq is going to be a battleground between the West and Iran. It's not going to stop. Yes, actually, I think that that strengthens my point, that Iran, um, again, that the nuclear thing doesn't stand on its own uh, right, but rather as part of a larger regional policy. So the fact that Iran was, uh, you know, is is not really uh, held accountable for these actions and has not been punished for them is exactly because it has diverted all the attention to its nuclear program uh, while other things just kind of go unnoticed. Um, so I, I think for Iran, it's kind of a win-win situation. You know, uh, it either stops the nuclear program again for, with a new deal, which uh, gives it a few years of, uh, you know, of uh, uh, attaining other goals in the region, uh, or it can uh, use the program as as a way of pressing the West to uh, to do so, you know, to let it do so. So I think again, the nuclear deal is, um, or or the road to to the, the nuclear program, for that matter, is um, is another way of Iran to um, to be able to pay an, on one front in order to win in another. Mr. Javedanto, go ahead. Um, Regarding Iran's presence in the region, we in Israel are, of course, understandably concerned uh, because it poses a direct threat to us. But we have to also understand, we have to also ask the question: Is Iran's leverage in the region through supports for such as groups such as Qatar, Hezbollah, Hezbollah, or other groups which we are aware of? Is it a convertible currency? In other words, can Iran take this to the bank and get something for it? So far, what has Iran gained from this? The only thing Iran has gained from its, uh, one of the major things Iran has gained from its support for such groups is that it has been, it has been subject to even more sanctions. So to be honest with you, of course this is good for the regime, but for the government and for the people of Iran, this has not 
translated into tangible benefits, economic benefits or security benefits. In fact, it has brought the opposite result. So I think if I can be a little bit uh, penicative here, to go back to emphasize my point, this is more to do with the regime trying to stay, to continue its policy of no peace and no war. And, and the nuclear program and the regional program are part of it. Otherwise, if we look at the, the benefits that Iran's uh, leverage in the region provided, it, it, they don't provide it with, it, the, Iran can't convert its influence uh, in the region to economic benefits because majority of the countries where it has influence are bankrupt. And it also uh, cannot, conf cannot convert it to get leverage from Israel, America, or other countries because they're simply not going to provide it they, because, this, because they see Iran not only as a threat, but also as isolated. Nevertheless, it's a, a survivability remains in question. And in light of the fact that it's barely surviving the current stage, uh, it seems like it has been put on the market uh, by the regime, as uh, uh, Javin, uh, Mr. Javed Anfar has distinct uh, uh, position in which the government and the people are, are not part of that regime, which I, I tend to agree with, as the regime only has the support of about 10 million, one out of every eight people in Iran supports the regime, according to uh, various reports. Uh, but nonetheless, it seems like the Chinese have purchased the Iranians because of its hostility towards the Americans, because of its hostility towards the West, understanding the leverage it provides the Chinese in this whole dynamic. We don't have very much time. What, what can you tell us about that, Mr. Olin? Well, first of all, I want to dispel any notion following up on the mayor's earlier point about Khomeini and the Chafia. I'm not trying to send any message through whatever I'm wearing right now. You know, there was this uh, story about Anwar Sadat coming to Israel wearing a tie, which to some people looked like swastikas, uh, as if by uh, the very fact that he is wearing something, he's trying to tell his audience uh, something else, something different. So um, in any event, we have to remember that uh, Joe Biden has decided to close the nuclear file with Iran. He he's probably already having in his pocket uh, a draft agreement, which they go through the notions in Vienna. They they cannot do it immediately. They have to speak st through several rounds and get it. As for China, um, China, as distinct from Russia, has never backed up any regime which was about to fall. We remember the Russians going into Afghanistan to prop up the uh, communist or pro-Soviet regime. We remember the Soviets going now in, into Syria to help Bashar Assad. The Chinese have never ventured so far. So if the Iranian regime is in trouble, the Chinese will do business with the next regime. Indeed, and of course, uh Time will tell, of course, but uh, uh, even the withdrawal of the United States from Afghanistan was against the recommendations of the intelligence community in the United States, which might also come into play in the, the situation vis-a-vis -vis Iran. This is much, much like the Israeli uh, withdrawal from Lebanon in the year 2000. Indeed. Well, this is all the time that we have for today, so I'd like to thank Dr. Merhavi, Mr. Javed Anfar, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's program, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.